When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain now. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Dribbles? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this here podcast. Three Swings, a podcast about baseball and other things. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. Thanks for bearing with me last week uh, with the, the the archival show, the repeat, if you will. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I needed a week to rest and recuperate. Um, but now I'm back. And I will say this week, I watched baseball for the first time in a long time. I am recovering from a a medical thing. <laughs> I'm okay. Everything's good. Everything's okay. That's where I'm at right now. But um so I've been pretty much confined to watching TV. Can't really do much. And I mean to be totally honest, now uh in Los Angeles where I reside, can't really do much anyway. Even the minimal amount of things I was doing to keep myself sane um and finding small amounts of gratitude uh have now shifted again um uh, but i mean i guess personally specifically within myself finding gratitude that it just happens to line up with a time where i can't do shit anyway um i i do wish i could go for some walks but the air quality in los angeles here is so bad that it's not even recommended to go outside so uh you know <laughs> it is tough. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to, uh, I, I don't want to go into this like complaining or trying to say, woe is me or anything or poor me, poor pitiful me or anything. Um, but I do just want to say like, it feels like all of it, you know, it feels like essentially every possible thing. Somebody said all hell is breaking loose this morning, um, on a zoom that I was on. And I felt like that was actually like the most appropriate way of putting it. Um, and when I really started to just like ponder the phrase, that is actually it, you know? And like, I, uh, 
do some readings into like, uh, I, I hope this doesn't bum anybody out or offend anybody, but I read a daily reader that does a lot of interpreting of the Bible and um, <clears throat> it interprets a lot of words and what they mean and what they stand for. And uh, it's interesting to me to contemplate the phrase all hell breaking loose right now, because when you think of things breaking loose, it's like sort of breaking apart and, uh, you know, like moving from stagnation and also just like, you know, loosening up and these things that we thought were concrete and we thought would never change are changing. And, and those things like, and, and when you think about hell, like I don't, I do not believe in this concept of hell as this like afterlife place where we're sent and we live in eternity in, you know, I mean, for like comedic purposes, absolutely. But in my own actual life, I don't think about hell as a place like hell as the same as heaven is already on earth. Like, you can be going through hell, you know, we all say that and well, not everybody, but some of us say that. And, um, for me, hell is a difficult situation, especially one that I may have put myself into by, you know, uh, bad actions or like judgments or just, you know, defective ways of being. Um, and so when I start to think of like all hell is breaking loose, it's like, Oh, some of some of the hell that that has been on earth because of maybe, you know, s- some of a small part of my actions, my inactions, my inability, my ignorance to white supremacy to whatever degree. You know, we all participate in all of it and it's breaking loose. And none of nothing in humanity, nothing in the history of humanity has ever gone for the better without it being painful. You know, there is no, there, there is no change and there is no growth without pain, you know? Um, and so we're all living through this time of immense tragedy and pain on a near daily basis. Um, because I truly and firmly believe that there's something better on the other side. Um, and I cannot, if I don't believe that, then I have no reason to get up in the morning. So, uh, now, you know, it's like, I have just sort of felt just to relate my own personal experience that, you know, over the course of the last six months, like life has just gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and my practice has to keep my life a good size, you know, like the, the physical nature of my life has changed so much and shrunk down. You know, um, I think I've already related this story on this podcast before, but I happened to go to Hawaii to Maui, uh, like literally the week before the U S went on lockdown. Like we were, I remember being like, we went and camp. me and my partner went and camped, um, on Maui, like in, you know, in a little campgrounds and, um, people were, we were not wearing masks or anything. Nobody was wearing masks yet, you know? And I was like washing my hands a lot and, and all those things. And so it was like on our minds, but it hadn't hit yet, which is interesting to think back to. But anyway, um, we went to see, there's a beach in Maui where the, um, sea turtles 
come up out of the ocean and it's like cordoned off and it's such a stressful place for me to go because like people see the don't see the signs they try to go over by the turtles and it's also just sad to me that the turtles only get like this small stretch of the beach and like humans sunbathing need more than that and so anyway but then that leads me to so we go back up to the parking lot get in the car and I'm like shaking out my shoes to get the sand out of my shoes and I have my car door propped open and I feel like the presence of another person I realize it's somebody waiting to get into their car which is parked right next to mine and I saw him and I said oh I'm, I'm sorry about that I wasn't paying attention and I you know closed my door so he could get into his car and he um, was a person, you know, he, he was not a white person and he goes, uh, you know, oh, that's okay. We don't, we don't need a lot of space or we don't take up a lot of space. And I've been thinking about that ever since, you know, for a lot of reasons. And it's like a daily practice to do that. You know, so much of now, now this like climate disaster that's, that's actually happening currently right now happening where I live, where my friends live, um, you know, like a lot of this climate disaster is because of that, because we're taking up too much space as human beings. And that translates to many things. It's not just the people who drive too many cars or drive too much or da, 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 da. It's, uh, you know, sprawl. It's, um, corporations taking up too much space in the environment too much space in the government. It's the whole thing. So, you know, the only thing I can really do is my part and, you know, keep my footprint the size it needs to be, the the right size, what feels right, um, and then keep my life right sized, you know, because for me, when I get into like big troubling times in, for me, when I start to feel despair, panic, sadness, fear, I want to get really small. And just, just like attach myself to the couch and not go anywhere and not talk to anybody and say crazy things on the internet and, and have that to deal with. And it's like, no, actually the better thing to do is to like read a book, listen to some music, eat some good food, watch a good movie, um, text your friends. If you feel like you can't get on the phone, but call friends, stay in touch with people, put something in the mail, stuff like that. Um, and that keeps me from completely losing my mind. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so all that being said, uh, I said, watch a good movie. I actually just watched professor Marston and the wonder women. Um, because a friend of mine, Enza, uh, posted it on their Instagram and I thought it was pretty wonderful. I thought it was a pretty great movie, a good example of like, I think they just, Angela Robinson uh, wrote and directed it, and uh, you know she she adapted and directed Debs, and she also directed a lot, and I think wrote a couple episodes of like the second and pr possibly the third season, probably throughout of the L Word. Um, and she's an incredibly talented director, and I think she did a really great job with a subject that could have easily been made poorly could have easily been made into something completely wrong. And like, I actually came out of that movie, like really reconsidering some of my own beliefs and thoughts. So I feel like that's a good, that that's a good piece of art when you, you take it in and then you continue thinking about it, um, when you're done. So I feel 
Like that's really good. And then also my other recommendation, because like I said, I've been sort of on the couch and like walk watching a lot. Um, is I keep and I keep recommending it to a lot of people. Is this documentary from 2019 called Hail Satan? And I say it like that because it has a question mark in the title. Um, it's on Hulu right now, and it's about the Satanic Temple or the Temple of the Satanic Temple out of uh, Boston or yeah, Boston. Um, and it's actually just like it's a it's a really wonderfully made documentary. You think it's going to be one thing. And then it's something completely else. And I, I feel like uh, right now with the amount that people are beginning to understand how much conspiracy theories are playing in our actual reality of life, life right now, because we aren't physically in the world and we're really living online. Um, and the fact that like the president that we currently have is, is and has been openly uh, friendly uh, and grateful to the QAnon people. And QAnon is now like gaining a lot of steam and a lot of focus and a lot of energy. Um, I think it's really important to watch that documentary with that context and understand what we're actually dealing with. Um, that it's not just a bunch of people in tinfoil hats who are on the fringe. It's actually like uh, conspiracy theories laid on top of evangelical Christian and like Christian extremism, um, and those things that are, uh, put sort of together. So, um, I think those are two really great watches. Uh, the doc is, uh, on Hulu and I think, uh, professor Marston and the wonder women is also on Hulu. I think that's where I watched it. Um, so check those out. And without any further ado, I'm going to talk a little bit about baseball. Uh, but first up, we're going to talk about um, a, a loss in baseball last week, earlier this week. Uh, we lost Lou Brock, and the source for this is Beyond the Box Score and also Chicago Reader. Uh, earlier this week, Hall of Famer Lou Brock passed away. Brock was born in 1939 in rural Arkansas to a family of sharecroppers. One of nine children, his single mother moved the family to a 300-person Louisiana town shortly after his birth, a town which had one school teacher for all grades in a schoolhouse with no running water. He ended up getting ba the baseball itch by sheer accident. Following an incident at school, his teacher assigned him a report on ballplayers, including Jackie Robinson and Don Newcomb. Seeing the success of African Americans both on the field and the money they were making as part of their contracts and sponsorships, Brock set his sights on honing his skills and harnessing his speed. He did not play organized baseball until he was a junior in high school, where he was known as having a raw talent of power and speed. Brock made his major league debut with the Cubs in 1961 en route to lifting himself out of poverty and out of oblivion to become one of MLB's most prolific base stealers. He spent four years with the Cubs before Chicago's front office traded him in a rare intradivision trade to the Cardinals, which was seen at the time as a one-sided steal in favor of the Cubs. I'll also say I was listening to, I was watching the uh, Kansas City Royals in Cleveland, and, uh, you know, I was actually surprised to hear the uh, announcers uh, and Andre Knott, the on-field reporter, actually discuss this 
in depth and not be one-sided about it. Um, and they actually said that at the time it was not seen as one-sided because the Cubs actually didn't let Lou Brock play to his fullest potential. Like they, they sort of kept a lid on his talents. So that's also something to, to just sort of balance this out with. And I want to jump into bench coach Brett's beautiful notes real quick to just add um, from the Chicago reader and also Sarah Sanchez, who is at BCB underscore Sarah S A R A um, who uh, tweeted this out uh, on the day that Lou Brock passed away. Uh, and this is all quote, and it's I'm going to give you the whole thing because I feel like it's very important uh, to the story of Lou Brock, the Cubs, the Cardinals, and uh, black men in baseball in general. There was an unwritten quota system in baseball, O'Neill wrote in a 2002 essay in Baseball as America, a book published for the National Baseball Hall of Fame. They didn't want but so many black kids on a major league ball club. O'Neill was a Cubs coach in 64 when the team had five black players. One of them was a young outfielder named Lou Brock. When O'Neill heard that general manager John Holland was planning to trade Brock, he advised him not to. I don't think we'll have our best ball club on the field, he told Holland. O'Neill wrote in his essay that Holland then started pulling out letters and notes from people, season ticket holders, saying that their grandfather had season tickets here at Wrigley Field or their grandmother and their families had come here for years. And do you know what these letters went on to say? What are you trying to make the Chicago Cubs into? The Kansas City Monarchs? Which, if you don't know, uh, was a Negro League team. So uh, you can hear that dog whistle pretty loud and clear. Uh, The Cubs traded Brock to St. Louis that summer. And if you're also a baseball fan, you would know that an intradivisional trade of this magnitude, regardless from the Cubs to the Cardinals, is unheard of. Um, But also Dexter Fowler, after helping the Cubs win the World Series in 2016, also went, he was a free agent though. So like, I feel like, This was maybe a tip of the cap. Who knows? Uh, The Cubs traded Brock to St. Louis that summer for a sore-armed white pitcher, Ernie Broglio. It's regarded as one of the worst trades in baseball history. Brock helped the Cardinals win the World Series that year and went on to set many base-stealing records and total more than 3,000 hits on his way to the Hall of Fame. Broglio won seven games for the Cubs before his bum arm forced him to retire in 66 Banks told me he recalled the Cub trading away many young black players. They were with us just two years, and then we'd trade them. I don't know why. Maybe they just wanted more uh, veteran players. Banks said the early black major leaguers often expressed regrets to each other about missing college. We played the game because we wanted to make enough money to send our kids to college, he said. That was a key thing for me and Billy Williams, his Hall of Fame teammate, and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. He said someone in the Wrigley family told him and Williams that the club would ensure that their kids got college scholarships. Their children are long since grown, and Banks said they never got got the promised scholarships. He said he and Williams still joke about it when they get together. I'll say, Billy, where are those scholarships our kids are going to get? So that is the story of the Lou Brock trade, um, which was not that long ago. 60 years is not that long ago. That's, you know, uh, middle age. Well, it's a little bit older than middle age, but like, that's not that long ago. That's my dad, basically. You know, like my dad is only five years of two years older than that. So uh, it's not, you know, we often, 
you know, you, you, it's always happening. All these things that are happening now, the, 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 um, the uprising black lives matter movement, um, the, the continued, like, I just am watching these players realize their power, lose it, give it away, try to take it back, be confronted by, I mean, I, I saw the video of the, I, I cannot believe that there are fans in the stands at these football games. Um, but the fans booing at the unity, like, and these players just being shocked by it, like it's racism. And if it's not direct racism where these people are booing, they're booing instead of saying the N word, it's people who do not want to be confronted with something they don't understand and something they're in denial about. And a human being in denial is, is, is a volatile thing, you know? Um, Tom Brenneman is still going through his sort of whatever, his journey about his homophobic slur, and he is clinging to the idea that he never said that slur before that time, the time he got caught. And like, even if that is true, what does it matter? Even if that is true, it doesn't matter because you said it. It just doesn't matter. Um, but that's denial, you know, that's denial and that's what, what will keep you in denial. Uh, but back to Lou Brock. Brock ended up as a starting outfielder for the rudderless and Stan Musialist Cardinals, who were looking to solidify their lineup and bring some speed to the roster. In his first season in St. Louis, Brock posted a career-high 146 OPS+, plus, putting up a slash line of 348, 387, 527, and delivering St. Louis their first World Series championship in nearly 20 years. He ended up playing in a total of three World Series, winning two of the three. And I would say he put St. Louis back into the, their status of St. Louis. Brock joined the 3000 hit club in his last season in St. Louis. Overall in his career, he posted a near 300 batting average, 149 career home runs and 938 stolen bases. He was a six time all-star and led the NL in stolen bases eight times. Following his on-field career, Brock worked as an instructor with the Cardinals organization and founded several local businesses in the greater St. Louis area, including a successful florist shop. In 1985, Brock was elected to the Hall of Fame in his first year on the ballot. So rest in peace, Lou Brock, one of the greats. Uh, Baseball was better for you in it. Um, Then we move on to run scored. Source ESPN. On Wednesday, Atlanta set a franchise record and came one run shy of the MLB record when they put up 29 total runs on the Marlins in a 29-9 win. I mean, nine runs by the Marlins isn't shabby either, (laughs) you know, when you really think about it. The MLB record still belongs to the Texas Rangers, who put up 30 runs on the Orioles in a game in 2007. Atlanta scored 11 runs in the second inning alone. That's pretty close to the Yankees giving up 10 to the, who was it? Wow, now I can't remember. I watched that game and now I can't remember. Oh, the Blue Jays. I was watching that game when Ottavino didn't get an out, but gave up 10 runs in one inning, including a grand slam. Adam Duvall led the way, driving in nine runs with three homers, including a grand slam. Adam Duvall saved my fantasy baseball a couple seasons in a row. This also seems to be part of a larger trend this year. That same day, the Brewers beat the Tigers 19 to nothing. And just last week, the Giants beat the Rockies 23 to five. 
Um, and my thoughts on that is that the ball has been designed to fly. I also think, um, you know, Evan uh, was on our show a couple weeks ago and he gave a quick rundown of like why the ball is flying. Um, I would just say a lack of spring training, I would imagine, gives the hitters a tremendous uh, advantage and it seems to be so. I also just think like the, the, it's the, these are spring training numbers, even though spring training doesn't get to 23, this just looks like spring training. Like they're hitting their stride and pitchers haven't been tuned up. You know, pitchers, pitchers didn't get the, uh, two month jump that they usually get, uh, this year. So there's so many factors and it's not just the ball. I think also the fact that there's no fans, like just everything is contributing to this. Um, and I think we'll just, We'll just wrap it up. Just have a nice quick one because my lung capacity is greatly re- reduced. It's hard for me to talk. Uh, but predicting the postseason, and the source on this one is ESPN as well, with little over two weeks. What? In the regular season? What a weird time. Here's how the playoffs would look if they started today. Uh, you've got the American League, which is proposed to play isolated, quarantined, away from their families, in San Diego and Los Angeles. And then the National League is supposed to be in Houston and Arlington. I don't really understand why they're in their opposite. Like, why wouldn't you just keep the National League in the... It doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Um, American League, the number one athletics. Hell yeah. Versus the number eight Yankees, which is not probably what anybody expected. The number two Rays versus the number seven Cleveland team. You've got the number three White Sox. Hey, there's me. Uh, number six Astros. And then the number four Twins versus the number five Blue Jays. And then in the National League, we've got the number one Dodgers versus the number eight Giants. What a matchup. The number two Atlanta team versus the number seven Marlins. Who would have thunk it? Then you've got uh, the number three Cubs versus the number six Cardinals. And you've got the number four Padres versus the number five Phillies. Uh, this year, the MLB is implementing an expanded 16-team playoff format for the 2020 postseason. The top two teams in each division, plus the two remaining teams with the best records in each league, will make up the eight-team fields in the American and National Leagues. The division winners will be the top three seeds in each league. And the second-place team slotted as seeds four through six, and the remaining two qualifiers seeded numbers seven and eight being the wild cards, I guess. Um, so what are the surprise teams on this list? Surprise teams on this list. I'm truly not surprised by much. I would say, I guess the Marlins and the blue Jays being the big surprises there. And then the fact that the Yankees are at number eight. Um, I think the, the, the Yankees being seated at number eight is not what anybody expected, but they went six and 15 recently. Um, they did win against the Orioles today. So if they, if they can somehow, you know, climb back up it, you know, I don't know. Cleveland is on a skid now. It's yeah. Um, I'm happy, happy to see the athletics up at number one, the Rays at number two, the white Sox at number three and the twins at number four, just exciting to see some different names up at the top, just exciting, just exciting and different. If I got to find a silver lining through all of this, which I did not want to watch baseball, I'm mad about it. I don't like it. But if I have to look at the positive, it's that 
the teams we've been watching for years and years and years are seated low and the teams we haven't been seeing are seated high. So I'm just excited. I'm just excited that the Rays are number two and the Athletics are number one. Sad to see that Matt Chapman is done for the season. Season-ending hip surgery. That is bad news for the Athletics. Um, I'm hoping that they can pull it together uh, and continue their success because I I do really love that organization and I'm glad to see them uh, get a chance with a, a defanged or, you know, de-cheating Astros team uh, away from them a little bit. Um, and then I would say in the National League, I, I am surprised to not see the Nationals make it back in. Um, they've got, you know, a pretty big World Series sophomore sort of slump. Um, but like, hap- you know, really happy for that team that they won last year. And like, if you're going to not make it back in after you win a World Series, this would be the year to do it. Um, I think the biggest surprise for everybody is, well, first of all, the Marlins are number seven, and second of all, the Padres. I mean, if I want to make a wild bet, if I want to make a wild bet, I would put the Padres as winning the World Series. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's pretty pretty po- possible. Um, and if if I wanted to, to put out there, I, I think... You know, I, I love the Dodgers. They are my team. I love this team, but they there's something about the Dodgers that when it gets when it's on the line, they just can't seem to do it. And uh like I would be happy to see a Padres Athletics World Series. Um, I would also be happy to see a Padres Rays World Series. I love that the Rays do a lot of like unconventional stuff. They are the first team in over a hundred years uh to bat an entirely lefty lineup. So you know, hell yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think the lower te- the lower seated teams that have a chance to make a run, obviously the Yankees, if they if they they've started to right the ship, if they can keep that going, and if Luke Voigt continues to have his hot bat, um, and he looks good too. I like watch the Yankees today. Also, just want to give a shout out to Clint Frazier because I think he might be the only man in the MLB who who wears a face mask for all nine innings all the time. And I just think it's really important, and uh, I just want to give a shout-out to that guy. I know he listens to the show, so thanks, Glenn Frazier. Um, and then I would say the Marlins have a chance, you know? I don't know. What's, let's get crazy. Um, <clears throat> and then, I mean, you got the Giants with Mike Yastrzemski having just a wonderful year, which is just cool in a nostalgic sort of a way. And, uh, yeah, I already got through my potential matchups, but I'm, you know, I would be really, I would be really excited to see the Dodgers and the Padres square off, um, for, uh, the national league pennant. I mean, I think that's something the baseball world has pro has wanted to see for a long time and never believed they would get so grateful for that. You know, um, I don't know if it would work in this sort of setup, but if, if it's not going to work in this setup, it's never going to work. So, um, yeah, I think I would love to see um, the uh, Blue Jays in the athletics after what I just saw the Blue Jays put together against the Yankees. That was a lot of fun. So um, thanks, everybody, for coming back and listening to the show. We really appreciate it. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Um, you know, we'll have the postseason, I guess. I think I'll be able to watch it. I've got four weeks of recovery that I can't go do anything. So I'm probably going to be watching baseball 
And, uh, you know, look for places. I often tweet out um, people's Venmos and stuff that you can donate to. There, are, If you are not able to get out and around, um, you know, $20, $10, $5, it is never too little. Like, do not, you know, it, don't hide your light under a basket, truly. You have no idea what small gestures can mean to people. Um, throw some people some money who are handing out PPE to unhoused neighbors. Um, do what you can. It's a lot better to, to find smaller organizations to give your money to um, because these, these big national organizations, don't, they don't need the money. It's kind of like supporting you know, smaller local candidates. They need, they need donations more than, say, the, the big uh, elections need your money. Um, so do that if you are so inclined, if you're able to, if you're not able to, you can do small things like writing postcards, you can get some, uh, water and give it out to people. Um, there's all kinds of things you can do. Uh, it's, and it will make you feel good. If you are not feeling good to do something good for somebody else, um, it will make you feel good. And I, I, I'm going to be a little firm and just say, we live at the best time to learn how to do that. We live at the, there, you have no excuse for finding a way to be of service. It is okay to despair. It is okay to be sad. It is okay to feel pain. It is not okay to live in it. It is not okay to just stay in it forever because you do actually have a choice. You actually have a choice and service being of service of other people is one way to not feel that way. And you can feel good about yourself and you can, you can, you can do things for somebody else, somebody less fortunate than you, or just somebody that needs it. Um, and I promise you, it will reduce your despair exponentially. Um, if you, if you put out a helping hand, and like I said, you, you cannot spend five minutes on Instagram without finding someplace that needs some help. So, um, put that Instagram scrolling to good use. It's not all doom scrolling. You, you can do it and reposting is good, but it's not service. So actually put some money where your mouth is or put your feet where your mouth are and get out there and help somebody because that's what we need to do. So um, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe. If you would like to for next week, give me some rosin bag questions. Uh, just DM the um, Three Swings pod on Twitter, send us some rosin bag questions. I would love to answer some questions. Um, and, uh, we'll be back next week. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.